Hello and welcome to another episode of the Lewis and Kyle Show. Today, I had the pleasure of sitting down with someone I've wanted to have on the podcast for a very long time. In today's conversation, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Noah Kagan, who is an absolute legend in the world of entrepreneurship. He has a YouTube channel with tons of valuable videos about how to start a business and things he's learned from interviewing billionaires, oftentimes just literally by knocking on their front door or jumping on their boats on marinas. That's how he finds these people to interview. He just shows up where wealthy people are and asks them questions. And he's put out videos for more than a decade on how to build your network, how to start your first business, how to create a million dollar idea in only three days. He's also massive on all of the social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, et cetera, where he's been sharing super valuable content every single, really almost every day for like a decade. He's super prolific. If you're into entrepreneurship, if you're into the online entrepreneurship world, you've definitely heard of him. You've definitely seen his stuff. And today we just had a fun conversation, really super unscripted. We just kind of hit the record button and started talking and just went for the whole time. It was really, really fun. We discussed specifically his new book. That was kind of the catalyst for reaching out to Noah. And that was the main theme of the conversation. It's called The Million Dollar Weekend. I got the subtitle right here. The Million Dollar Weekend, the surprisingly simple way to launch a seven-figure business in 48 hours. Definitely get the book if you're listening to this. That means the book is out. So buy it. I bought it. I haven't read it yet because this is two weeks before the book came out. So I pre-ordered it. And I'm looking forward to reading it as well. But anyway, that is all from me before we get started. Enjoy this fun conversation I am very grateful to have had with Noah Kagan. How old are you, Lewis? 24. Dude, you're ahead of the game, my man. I'm, I'm impressed. I, I, you know, I finally figured that out at like 40, how important it is to, to date. To date oh, yeah. effectively. And actually, partner selection I don't think is really thought of. And I would say I found a, a girlfriend last year, and she's amazing. And I think the two key things about one, having the right partner is everything in business, but mm -hmm. also in your, in your dating. And then secondly, go to where the women are or go to where the guys are. You know, it's kind of like marketing and it's business. So similar. It's the same. It's not the same, but you know, it's about probabilities and you could make things more difficult for yourself or you could make it's another thing you put out today. Um, just like, or maybe it's last week or two years, like, Tim Ferriss's book for our work week. It's like an oldie, but a goodie. It's just, what would it look That's like great. if it was easy? Don't have to reinvent the wheel. Just the same questions, ask them all the time. And yeah. kind of it's like, what would this look like if it was easy? It's like, go to a kebab with 20 people and it's the same 20 people. And there's like one newcomer every, every like six months, or it's like, go to New York city. So. I okay. So the only thing I would look, do whatever you need to do. One, are you on locks club? Which is like the Jewish dating app. You all, I don't, for the listeners out there, you know that, you know, locks club. No. I know oh, really? Club, but no, no, Locks Club. I'll send you. I can yeah, send yeah. you a referral. But basically, it's, oh, it's like it's like Tinder or not Tinder. It's scrap, like Jewish it's like Raya. Bump, but it, it's yeah. like Jewish Raya. There's also okay. like uh, J Swipe. J Swipe was crap. And then there was also yeah. um, I was on this Jewish dating website. Man, what was it called? I can look it up. But basically, it's like the matchmaker one. So it's like a Yenta okay. matchmaker one. And you get oh, like yeah. three matches a month for free. And uh, I was pay I was paying the premium. But I think what was interesting, what I was going to comment is when you can like, you're young and I'm old or ish, but when we like ourselves, great. So that's good. Now let's find a partner. I thought what was really fascinating is I, instead of moving to New York, I like went to New York for a few weeks to do the dating. Cause I had the same thought as you, like, mm -hmm. I'd like to be with a Jewish woman. Let me go to New York. And then I met all these, I went on a bunch of Jewish dates and I was like, Ooh, yeah, definitely not for me. <laughs> so what, like I wonder instead of moving woman, there all or in. Jewish women. I mean, I have plenty of reasons to be there anyway. 
Right? Yeah, like, I would say if, if you want to go for dating, go. Try, you know, it's kind of like what Million Dollar Weekend is about. Like, go try it out, and then if it works, stay. But you know, you're going all in. Uh, I've got a roommate. We're good friends. He's going. It's like, I'm not no, just... I think you're going to be on an awesome adventure. Yeah. I just like I tried dating Jews in L.A., in Israel, in New York, and I ended up finding an amazing Venezuelan woman in Spain. So who knows? Jewish Venezuelan is... or not Jewish Venezuelan? Non. She could be Jewish. You know, maybe you go back far yeah, enough. There's true. some. You know, Adam or Eve is her uncle. And so uh, she could have been Jewish. But, you know, I I think I'd rather find a great partner than just if someone was Jewish. Yeah. I've got time to do some Yeah, that was definitely a a conflict. That was definitely like, oh, I'd love to find a Jewish person. Um, But then I thought, you know, I could find a Jewish person that doesn't have the same values I have. And then we have a Jewish kid. And then that Jewish kid marries whoever they want. I was like, maybe I should just find the person that fits better. And so it was definitely something I've gone back and forth on for a long time. But I wish you luck. I can't wait to. I'll go to the your Zoom link wedding. Send me a Zoom link oh, when you get married. I don't know. If, I'll send you a recording. I don't. The goal is to not have a Zoom link wedding, right? I went to one Zoom link bris like four, four days into COVID. What? Oh yeah, you never been to a Zoom bris? It was so. Do I don't know if your people a, know what a brisk is. So you want to describe that? Yeah, that's a ritual circumcision eight days after a Jewish male's born. And it's a big deal. It is a very... I've been in person in Israel. My buddy, uh, Navid, was like, yo, you got to come over. <laughs> We're having a party. And then you see him do it. And then they drink wine out of the foreskin, I believe, or some weird thing. There's like something where you drink wine out of it, right? I'm not familiar with that custom. Okay, maybe that was a different type of party I was at. But it was definitely... It wasn't as like... I don't know. It felt more natural. It didn't seem like such a big thing, but... So you got one on Zoom. They're like, hey, watch it on Zoom. Yeah. I mean, it was like March of 2020. So it was like right away, right away. I just, you know, you can't change your due date of your baby just because world politics. And they just went for it. Mazel cool. Tov. You know, I was in this room, actually, when I attended. So I'm <laughs> at my parents' house between between moves. So in Vegas. Nice, Fed. Nice. Who's Louis Shulman? Let's me. Um, the there's tons I could talk about, right? Have three businesses I'm running. One is Inbox Ghosts. That's pretty brand new. I so the way I characterize what I've been good at is I've I've, I've successfully done zero to one. I don't know, like ten times, like six or seven times. And so this year is kind of just like okay, I have these two things that are working. Let's amplify them. Let's go from like one to so I say zero to one is like several paying customers, decent retention. I mean, good retention. Everyone's happy. And it's just like, now get a bunch of customers, not do like people from warm, like I'm really good at the warm network and like getting the thing out there. And then, so that's kind of where I'm at. I'm super into a lot of like health and fitness things and a lot of like, obviously the personal development topics and the, I don't even know what you would call it. Just like, you know, I'm a big fan of Danny Miranda, like him a lot. Um, I was on his show in the first hundred episodes. I think the only two person he's, he's done when I was still in school. So that was a wild episode. And I don't know, I feel like just that's um, a bit of an overview. Nice, man. I've been through a lot of things. I've lived a lot of life and a lot and not that many. I go, I jump to extremes quickly, which means I've experienced a lot of interesting things, right? And I'm willing to do it, make an extreme move on a half level of of an an idea like we were discussing with the New York thing. I was talking to Kyle, the co-host for the show, who is on a flight to Hawaii at this very moment. And he was upset that I was like, we got no time. We're going to keep it here, but, and we'll 
keep growing. We'll get him again in the future. And basically he's like, so what's your plan when you show up to New York? And the joke I cracked was like, do you know how many of my ancestors showed up to New York without a plan that worked out for them? And he didn't find it as funny as I did. And I don't know if you did either. It's kind of a <laughs> Jewish Ellis Island joke, but. <laughs> I think the, the thoughts that come to my mind is it's interesting to see who succeeds and who doesn't. And what is it about these different people? And obviously, you know, with Million Dollar Week in the book, it's like, okay, what is it that are these, these crumbs that success are leaving you know, about yourself? And I would bet on you from my brief interaction with you. And then the second thing I, I do wonder, you know, what is it about the Jewish culture that has created so many, so, so many successful people, right? And success, let's just say money, right? Maybe they're pieces mm -hmm. of shit or they're not good husbands or fathers or wives, but from a business perspective, it definitely seems like our culture has created people willing to fail and people willing to ask questions and try things out. And, uh, you know, there, there's, I'm sure bad things, but you know, some good things that I think we've done in the society. So there's interesting elements in that. I have some answers, not all the answers to that question. You have all of them in 24. I love it. Exactly. No, some answers to the why Jewish people are successful. I think one thing is, you know, no part of, there's no guilt around making money. Like it is like a lot of the patriarchs were financially successful and it's not like a bad thing. There's no, like, it's, it's, it's not stigmatized to be wealthy. It's like that helps. Whereas a lot of religions that are like promote, a more ascetic or minimal lifestyle. Judaism is like, if you got a lot, great. And it's also like, you know, charitable and all those other things, but it's not like, it doesn't demonize money. So that's certainly helpful. And then other things like we were discussing earlier about having a partner. It's like, what are the things, if we kind of invert the question, what are reasons people fail to make money? And it's like, your life is a shit show. If your life is a shit show across the board, then making money is probably also going to be difficult. And a lot of Judaism is like, how do you, kind of like the, the iOS, right? The guide manual for your life not being a shit show. And a lot of that's like get married and like do these things that make your life on track and being organized and happy and grounded are probably helpful. I I would agree. And then what do you, what do your parents do for a living, Lewis? My dad's a casino. Where's my, where's my zoom hat? I always have a zoom hat handy. It's my mirage hat. Uh, he yeah. works at zoom. No zoom is in like the hat I put on when I'm on zoom. If I like my hair's messy. Your hair looks fine. Uh, and that's why I don't have my hat on. Oh, at least you have hair, dude. No, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm bald. That's why I wear a hat all the time. The, all right, so your, your dad works at Zoom or what did your dad do? He oh, works at the Mirage, which is a casino oh, in Las Vegas. Vegas. Does he own the yeah. Mirage? He does not own the Mirage. The Mirage is owned by the Seminole Indians now because it's I part of Hard Rock. Alden Shelton or something like that. Sheldon Adelson? Yeah. He owns the Venetian or he owned the Venetian and the Sands Corporation. And he passed away about three years ago, maybe four. Okay. And he was a good dude. Han, so what, what does your dad do? And what does your mom do? He's a casino host. And then what does so, your mom do? Ad, ad sales for a local magazine. In Vegas or in Scottsdale? Vegas. And then what did your... Are we doing your show? I feel like I'm interviewing for my show, but I, I think it's your show, right? I don't I mean, I don't mean to keep... I, I, I show up to have a good time. Right. That's when you're 200 episodes in, you, you lose the initial thing of like, I have a formula and I need to get this exact thing out of every episode. So well, you don't the reason stay asking, in it. The reason I was asking those questions with the Jewish culture, I think generally one of the parents is an entrepreneur or an engineer. It seems like that or, or some type of a business operator. But the second thing is I think our parents, I can only speak from my own experience and other, a lot of other Jews I know, our parents teach us about money very early. Like I have a lot of friends who are like, 
you know, what's an index fund? You know, what's our, what's a 401k? Which I'm like, like, dude, I was like 12. My parents are like, this is a debit card. You want to spend money? Yep. Here's a job. Go get one. <laughs> like super. And my, you know, my stepdad's like, here's the stock market. Here's the S&P. Like go buy some stocks. Oh, you lost all the money. Great. Now you have to make more money to go buy stocks again. And I think that's not as common. It should be just for everyone to have financial literacy. I'm guessing that similar for you. I'd say so. I don't think it was as structured of curriculum, but it was not taboo whatsoever. My dad kind of clued me in pretty early into like what things were going on as far as finances and what money he had and what places and which things were good decisions that he made and which things were poor decisions. And yeah. Yeah. I wonder because what I... Yeah. I was going to say I was born in 99. So right out, I was about 10 in 2009 and like 2008. So like the whole real estate thing, that was obviously a big topic during those years of like what the hell was going down. So I don't know if it's those conversations would have happened as frequently, but I think at a certain point, if they wanted to talk about it every day, they didn't want us to just be there like confused every day. Yeah. There's like a certain point where I got to get them up to speed. So they're not just like falling asleep at the, at the table. Yeah, I think it, I don't know if it's the Jewish mothers, maybe your mom's is similar as well, where it's like the strong push for like studying hard and just like really succeeding and just really, you know, they're very strong women in our culture where the moms are like, you know, my girlfriend, I call her my tiger. She's she's a tigre as well. Mom's like, you better study and you got to do super well. And I think that kind of, you know, they show it by example of working hard. And I, this is not exclusive to Jews, but definitely that leads us, I think, to some neuroses and a lot of therapy. But also, it sounds like yourself at 24, you're like, I'm trying all these things and I'm taking big swings and mom's yelling at me. <laughs> like, you can do better here, Lewis. You know, and that's... Uh, they don't really yell at me too much anymore. I don't Or if really ever. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's so a peaceful it's, coexistence. It, what does a casino host do? Like your dad? Specifically, it's someone responsible for attracting larger gamblers, right? The kids these days, we call them the whales. Like he makes friends with a lot of whales and ensures that they have a really good experience such that if they're coming to town again, they're going to choose, you know, the property he works at every time. That's like the simplest way to describe it. Can you share this, the hotel he's not or no? Yeah. So he's at the Mirage. Oh, he's at the Mirage. And do, do you have like crazy stories where he's like Diplo came through or like this, you know, eight, you know, Asians are known for historically being large gamblers. My dad was not a huge like there's usually certain hosts that are dedicated to certain markets just based on like what they're good at. So like, it's very much like in a lot of these relationships, you're kind of just friends with your customers, right? That makes, why would they choose you if you don't have like concrete benefits? Like every property has amazing things to to offer. They have amazing rooms with amazing, crazy experiences. And like the whole, I mean, a lot of stuff you kind of would cover on your channel, just like outrageous things wealthy people do. And so for him, believe it or not, a lot of Jewish clients, because it's like, who are they going to relate to? The Jewish host. And a lot of the Asian <laughs> clients have Asian hosts, because it's like, that's just who you're going to roll with. And, you know, my bar mitzvah was at the Mirage, which is pretty cool. Not the not the um, ceremony, but the party. That is cool. That is cool, yeah. man. <sighs> that is a bit into me. And uh, what's, what, what's what goes on behind the scenes. That's interesting. And then the two businesses that make money. Yes. One is about five months old. It's called inbox ghosts. It's a ghost writing business, helping people do weekly newsletters. Totally done for you. That's we have about nine customers on that started a couple months ago. And so that's the one we're really trying to ramp up this year. And then orbit metrics is data and analytics consulting. 
So think about like a, a fractional chief data officer, someone to build. I don't know if you all use like Data Studio or, or what you use for like your internal reporting. Looker. Yeah, use Looker, Looker, exactly. Metabase, some of these different programs. Exactly. Just a lot of companies at a certain level of maturity have a lot of ad spend, have a lot of products, kind of think they're omni-channel and it's just a disaster. And at a certain point, they're like, we should really have something like this. And if they don't have any technical people, it's going to be a disaster. So we build that for them. You guys are, you're definitely, you and Kyle sounds like you guys are the future. So hopefully you don't kick us dinosaurs in the ass when uh, you buy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, you, it sounds like you've read Million Dollar Weekend or maybe you co-wrote it with me. I, you ghost wrote it. For I've me consumed your channel it. for a long time or I've Thank you. read a lot of your content. I got, I'm excited to read the book and I pre-ordered it today because there were some bonuses. And I also feel like I have to, I feel like it's universal karma that I can't like bring someone on their show and be too cheap to not pre-order their book, even if I don't read it. <laughs> So I mean, that's... if you think about, it's kind of insane with how we spend money and our, everyone's relationship with money, you know, where if you could spend $27 and change your life, you're like, of course, mm -hmm. but then it's, you know, spend $5 on a water. And you're like, never will someone ever get me to do that. And I, I think over our lifetime, based on our parents, based on our money, we make based on like the things that matter to each of us, maybe it's cars or Vegas or whatever, you know, how we, we choose to spend that money and something, you know, I've spent so long, especially being Jewish. Like we're taught, I don't know, I was taught not to spend money. I was taught, you know, fly economy, middle class is good, <laughs> take two vacations a year. And then you can realize like at some point you realize that there's another way. Mm -hmm. It sounds like, you know, for yourself, you're able to recognize that and, and start trying things to then give you at least time millionaire status. So you can at least be a millionaire with time and then maybe dollar millionaire status. And you can, you don't even need to be a millionaire to do most things, but uh, no, you really have a really unique lifestyle, a really fun lifestyle, frankly. No, thank you for pre-ordering. Yeah, absolutely. I think there was a saying I had with my business partner. So Kyle and I aren't in any businesses together, just the podcast. And he's out doing his own thing and real estate and a bunch of other stuff. And I forget who, who asked this the other day, but you know, we did this podcast during the Bitcoin, like the last bull market. And I was working in Bitcoin actually. So I worked for Bitcoin magazine for a while. Then I worked for Pomp directly for a long time. And then I left those jobs to do this company and stuff. So that was kind of my professional backgrounds before um, doing the entrepreneurial stuff and lost a lot of money making silly trades. And basically what's that? How much did you lose? Well, I didn't sell. So things could ride back up. <laughs> yeah, don't lose if you can't, if you didn't sell, that is true. Exactly. And yeah, specifically, I just like what crazy is with like the Gary V book games, NFTs. And technically I made great money on those, but then I just did rotate out of Ethereum into dollars. So a lot of like unrealized ETH losses. It's it's all about creative accounting. Another very Jewish topic. What? No, I don't I don't know what you mean about that. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, you know Bernie, no, I mean, you know, I Bernie Madoff went to Alabama. That's my fun fact. Because I went, went to, Alabama to Alabama for school. Oh, did you go to Alabama? I did, got my little roll tie mug. Oh, nice. Yeti. Okay, I was like, I'm not yeah. really catching the the connection there. It's just a so random I've fact. I've made a lot of money in Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. I've I've like made so much in the, the crypto stuff. And I've just been so lazy with it. I've also got scammed a lot. I got scammed last week. I saw that. It was like the thing about the gala or something with Hormel Foods, or is that a different thing? No, that wasn't Nestle. me. I don't know about Hormel Foods. No, I got scammed buying a gun. Okay. <laughs> last week, it's my buddy's birthday tomorrow, today. So I was buying him a shotgun, you know, and that's what you get guys in Texas for their birthdays, I guess. It's a great gift. It's a cool gift. I mean, in Texas, especially with my, I don't know, the wealthier I've gotten, a little bit of the being public, it's definitely I'm more concerned with my safety. 
Mm-hmm. And so I have a decent amount of guns and practicing and stuff. So I wanted to buy him a gun. I Googled it. Somehow I found, got on this website. It's a Shopify website. Super okay. normal website. Got an about page. Got some stories. Got all the stuff. And then on the top of the site, it's like, if you pay in crypto, you get 15% off. And I was like, I got a shit ton of crypto. Let's do uh, it. Oh, uh, this is where the scam comes in. Yeah. So I sent him the crypto 15%. I don't off think you can sell guns on Spotify or Shopify. I, I think they're on WooCommerce the more I looked into it. Interesting. Okay. You can use WooCommerce on WordPress. So send them the 15% Gotta, get off. the FFL compliance. It's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. I have to do the FFL, which for people out there, it's to be able to send the gun to a store so you can pick it up. And so I wait two days and I didn't hear anything from them. Normally you get like a welcome email and shit like that. And it was like, I emailed them and I was like, hey guys, can I have my gun? And they're, you know, <laughs> it bounced back. It was like, hey, the gun, uh, it just, it was those ones, the receiver did not get your email. And I was like, ah, oh, damn it, scam. <laughs> Thank God it's only 500, not 5,000. I did they didn't have, drain the wallet or anything, hopefully. They did I don't not, think they not yet. Yeah. Hopefully, I need to check that stuff soon. But actually, the crazier one, even than that, um, about a year ago, I log, log in uh, to my Coinbase and it's like, you can't buy or send your crypto. I was like, all right. And then I get an email from Kraken that's like, hey, your account's locked. So someone, I guess they see, know some of my accounts. They emailed in saying they're my wife and that I was dead and then need to transfer the accounts to them. So they did that at all the places I've had accounts because they figured out some of my email stuff. And luckily, these places lock your account, but I still have not got my Coinbase money because it counts locked and you have to do all this verification. So that's been uh, an interesting crypto experience. But I am I am not dead and I do have a girlfriend, so I do not have a, a mysterious wife, uh, just for the record. Yeah, I would attribute a lot of that, hopefully, to the fact that you're a fairly public figure who's put out some very popular content about the size of your crypto portfolio. I'd like to think that like, hopefully people aren't coming after like anon holders with that same level of, cause I've seen some videos where like, here's how my crypto portfolio from you. And you're just like, YOLO this a long time ago. And wow, I just forgot. And now it's worth a million dollars. People are like, try to do some like extra social engineering. Cause they know what's there. Yeah. I've moved all of it offline. So That's they're cool. not going to find it. And yeah. the thing that was interesting for crypto, I don't know for others out there is I was so against it for so long. I was like, it's so stupid. And I got this buddy JPEG Lord. I don't know if he likes hearing his email, his name. But he was like, you got to buy this stupid farm animal. And then I kept losing all this money. And I don't know. I think for a lot of this stuff, you have to try it out for yourself mm-hmm. to experience it. You know, like a business, like Million Dollar Weekend. Like try out a business. Try getting something going. And then you'll be surprised what can happen. And by trying crypto years ago, I, I bought it for an illegal NFL stream. Okay. There's a website called seasonsforyou.com. And I bought it for that. And I was like, oh, oh, shit. I can see how this is cool. And so then I just bought 500 bucks a month for the next five years. And now that's worth <sighs> 2 million bucks. So that was that worked out pretty well. But a lot of crypto stuff recently. Yeah, I got scammed on that. Scammed on all these like stupid NFT shit. <laughs> I I got I never did Discord. That's how like, you know you're like mm-hmm. an old fucker. Because I got in Discord and it was like, hey, do you want a pre-release of the NFT? And it was like a fake website. And I was like, of course I do. Five hundred dollar loss right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why that's what I was saying about the book, basically, kind of to bring the tangent full circle. If the book, let's say the book was $30, I think it was like $16, but like something that I set up in my business and so like, let's say I buy the book, I don't read it, or I read the book and I, there's a strange, strange reality where I don't learn anything from it. What I said to my business partner was like, if the average mistake we make only costs $30, we'd have a lot more money than we like, mm. we'd have a lot more. Yeah. Like that's kind of, cause the amount of mistakes I've made that cost much more than $30. I'm like, if that's a $30 mistake, like I, that's a great, like well below average for me right now. 
in terms of the average cost of a mistake. That is a, a great point. Yeah, I mean, with with Million Dollar Week in the book, it's just been, how do people do things with small risk? Like quitting your job to me seems risky. That's why I never quit my jobs to start my businesses. And how do you do find out that what actually works and what's the steps to get that to work before you go and, uh, you know, move to New York to try to find a, you know, a Jewish princess. <laughs> but it, it's possible. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it seems like someone like yourself is like, you know, to me, the ideal person where it's like, I, I try to these things and finally it's working. And now you get to live the cipher. You're going to go move to New York to keep running businesses and, and look for a wife at the same time. Like, that's super cool. Exactly. Now I'm stoked. The specifically, why was this time to write the book? Because I feel like the book's very much, it's probably like a distillation organization of everything you've put out online. And I mean, everything you've learned about this and trying things quickly. Why was now the right time to publish it? You know, I think a lot of the, for me, it was the book I would always wish I had when I was 20, like your age. Mm -hmm. I wish I had a book like that. I, I felt like there was not, there's either ones that are too theoretical or ones that are too like, here's a Facebook page and a landing page. And even today, you look at the people on YouTube, none of them are operators. Like name anybody on YouTube who's teaching you business that runs a business you can see. There's zero that are doing it, that are at, either at the scale I'm at, which, you know, pretty sizable business that you can see, or have been at the companies that I've been at. There's zero. And so for me, I felt that I was in a unique spot to be able to share, because I don't, I don't get rich off this book. I'm already rich. In this book, I literally make, I'll probably make zero or if not negative investing in the book. But it's something I, I wish I had. I'm excited to see people, more people turn out like you, where it's like, hey, I hate my job, or at least when I have, you know, grocery money. And guess what? Everyone has a weekend. They can change their life. And I was like, I want to see if, you know, I want some hard project that's going to take me a long time to put together to see if I can help others do that. And I, I wish it was around 20 years ago. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping, I don't really like hope in business, but I'm, I believe that it'll make an impact. And in 20 years, there'll be people that are like, oh yeah, I, I read Million Dollar Weekend and I changed my life. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I've only ever successfully launched small, simple ideas, right? It's like the things that I've right. done that have worked were, are like small, stupid, simple things that like over the course of three days, I was like, screw it. Like, we're just going to get this out by Monday. All the like big complicated things that took so many weeks, it's like, I just, I'm not good enough at breaking down big projects to like get something like that out. It's just like expand once you have the validation. It's like incremental validation and incremental conviction is how I think about it. Yeah, a lot of success builds confidence, right? As you help one other person, which really, you know, AppSumo, which is amazing to me. I can't believe where we're at. You know, it's, for people that don't know, it's the number one site on for software deals for entrepreneurs. So you pay once and you get software forever. You know, it started off with a $12 sale, just one $12 sale in 2010. And then today we'll do probably $250,000 in sales today, but you have to start, right? And then you have to kind of keep going over some period of time. That's why I talk in the book and on YouTube as well about law of 100. So a hundred sales, a hundred emails, a hundred YouTube videos, a hundred podcast episodes, a hundred calls, whatever that is, so that at least you can not quit too soon. And yeah, I'm very grateful that 13 years ago, I was like, oh, thank God I finally I started then so I can enjoy the the rewards of all that now. And that's been, uh, it's been a blessing. And I get to share, if anybody else wants to copy it, I'm like, yo, here's the playbook. No, I think it's fun. What I'm curious about, maybe one or two questions, because I know we only scheduled about this much time. What is I your... Can to, I can go another 15 minutes. Okay, sweet. We'll ask this question anyway, because I like it just as much. <laughs> what is the... <laughs> The acceleration, right? That's kind of what I shared. Um, very much my motivation most of the time with the podcast is like, 
on the, I woke up today and I'm like, what is the thing that's holding me back? Where am I feeling bottlenecked mm. in my business career? And it's basically accelerating something that's working. And so you will, you'll try a bunch, maybe everyone has a different number of amounts of zero to one experiments they have to get before something cracks and they start making some sales and see something validate. But what is your go-to for acceleration of something that is working? Because that's kind of what I think my biggest weakness is. What makes you believe it's a weakness? I'm thinking about that. It's what I have the least track record for, I'll say, having successfully done. Sounds like you have some success already. You've gotten two businesses. And then what did you do to get those customers? I got to like pull up the sheet, but the, a lot of them came from, I'd say almost all of them came from either joining communities, like paid communities. I don't know if you follow the guys from Client Ascension on Twitter called Email Wizard. He's a funny account. I joined, they have a premium community for agency owners. And so everyone in there is like very similar to me in the sense of like, they're like 18 to 26 and they have a business that's doing at least 10K a month. And basically you just like put out your service in there and show up to a bunch of calls and then you end up getting like referrals. I make it sound like it's that simple because that's kind of how simple it was for me. And it's like, you show up and you're only the only guy who does your thing. And it's like relevant to what everyone else there does and they send you referrals. And then I just prospected for channel partners for about three to four months when I first started working with my business partner, just like who already has, I'm not very good at like convincing people of things. I prefer to like identify the person who is already very solution aware. They're like, I know I need exactly this. And so I found the people who already had the relationships. So specifically one of our services we do is like ETL. So extract, transform, load, and like taking data from a platform like Amazon and manipulating it such that you can visualize what you want to see. And basically that the only people who are going to want to pay several thousand dollars per month or that are brands that do like probably at least a hundred K per month in ad spend. And so like, who's working with those people, agencies, and basically just like getting on the phone with agency owners and being like, let's just like talk and then telling them about what we do and like demonstrating competence. I think that a lot of what distinguishes us from like other people is that we're very like sociable tech people. We're not like very like, and that's, I used to overthink how differentiated you needed to be, to be differentiated. Like I used to think, have to think it was like this bizarre, truly unique, like no one ever thought of it thing. When something as subtle is just like, we're technically competent. We're all software engineers. And like, you get on the phone and you're not like, who, what, what was that? Like, that was like talking to a Rubik's cube or something. Then that helps a lot. So these people are like, oh, I can actually put this guy in front of my client and he'll solve their problem. So that's where most of them came from on the analytics side. So how can you do more? Like, I guess the question for acceleration is what does acceleration look like? <laughs> I would think about it in terms of one way of thinking about it is sales where there's not the long relationship building process where it's like more of converting a cold traffic, not having the warm introduction, like the pre-frame being a solider, taking some through that progression asynchronously, right? Via like, whether it's content marketing or something where someone kind of goes through the same progression. Like we've not really ever, this is for a different service. Like to be fair, the main focus this year is getting more of the ghost rating clients, which is a lot of an easier sale because it's a less expensive service. It's like, hey, $500 per month will make your business a weekly newsletter. You don't have to think about it. And that's a, a lot easier of like an impulse buy 
versus like a two to three thousand dollar per month kind of like infrastructure investment, which is very non sexy and like only someone who's like, okay, I actually understand how it's bottlenecking me. But I think about it in terms of like, how do I get shown to show up to the call ready to buy who wasn't already there? Like, how do I have that happen? So your original question was an acceleration. I guess the, the two questions I wonder, I ask how fast is acceleration, right? If you're at nine clients for the inbox ghost, what, how fast is acceleration? I think people have to be clear about what their goals are and when. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say for most of it, just to share from AppSumo's experience, you know, what we did is look at 2023, 2022, and we looked at the different growth rates of all the different marketing activities we were doing and, and the relative performance of these different channels. And what was fascinating was Google ads and Facebook ads specifically. We have direct, we have SEO, we have affiliate, we have different channels. And what was fascinating about that though, is that Google like was 50% improvements year over year. And Facebook was actually, I think around a 13% decline. So acceleration is how do you do less of something and more of something else? So now the team, one, we're hiring more people for it and we're focusing a lot more on Google and we're gonna reduce the stuff on Facebook. And I think people are expecting, there's a lot more complication in how we actually operate that. But the actual at the high level is to accelerate how fast do you actually wanna go being clear on that. And then what's the thing that works that you can accelerate even more. And most people in businesses don't recognize that they have things already working and there's more they can do there versus trying to find something new with it. I guess I'd even ask, so you have two businesses, what's the revenue between them? And there's how many of you on the team? There's three of us that kind of divvy everything up between the three businesses. And if you can double one business in the next 30 days, which one can you double? We're exclusively focused on inbox ghosts. As far as like the, the orbit metrics is getting, it's just repeat business and referrals is going to like keep us happy this year. I guess then, just, I find it fascinating though. And now you're just watering two plants with the same amount of water. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm surprised and curious about that versus doubling down on what's already working. Well, it's about the upside we see. So we don't want to, I think we need to scale metrics, a hyper predictable pipeline of people ready to spend a lot of money. And it's very custom work. And it's something that you need a very intelligent employee. Like someone who's you're probably gonna want to pay like $80 an hour minimum. This is kind of like what we think we're gonna want to pay someone to do that kind of work versus the the writing work. I think we have a lot of more like tool-based leverage in the process. And like that's something, you know, it's a bit of our, our secret sauce and like the IP we're building to fulfill these things really efficiently. But that's we we basically saw the path to the ceiling. Like we've said no to growth on metrics. That's more like investing in ourselves, if that makes sense. Right. Like, so we had a custom AI software development branch of metrics for like six months that was going quite well, but we saw like the upper limit to that. It was like, okay, so if the three of us are doing full-time work at this hourly rate, then that's as big as this business is going to get. And that's cool. But we're not in this to make that, like to make that amount of money. We're in this to try to make something more ambitious. So it's really, that's, that's like the lifestyle business that is letting us take a bigger swing on the ghostwriting business. Great. I mean, I- I think you're going to find out interesting things. And so I'm curious to see how it plays out for me over the years. I've recognized like, especially with like million dollar weekend is getting started and finding something people actually want is really hard. It's hard and easy because you can do it every weekend and there's 52 of them. So there's a chance to find something that people are excited about. But as I, as I've done enough businesses and seen a lot of people do it, it's the best businesses are the ones that are working. And a lot of times it's a very common sickness of entrepreneurs were like, we just love starting. And I love, I still love hustling for a dollar. doesn't matter how rich I've gotten. I'm like, Oh, $1. Oh boy. 
But I've noticed, and I think you'll learn it yourself, and maybe I'll be wrong, or maybe I'll be right, and either both are fine. But how can you, uh, the best business is the one that works, like how do you do more of the one that's already working, right? Like ghostwriting newsletters is what everyone can do, but doing, you know, Looker and Snowflake and Fivetran and the different data stuff is, is much more competitive. It's less competitive, I'd say, because fewer people can actually do it. But try both, see how they go, and, you know, I'll talk to you in a year and we'll check back. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. The one that it's, it's going to be, they're all good outcomes, right? That's how I feel about it. I mean, good is all relative. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's also true. I mean, I, I only share my own experiences. And look, there's many ways of getting to the same destination. And people have different ways they like to drive. For me, what I've noticed mm -hmm. is that we started one thing, AppSumo, which worked. And then we're like, well, there's a limit to it. So we went and tried a new thing and then you tried a new thing and you tried a new thing. And then you're like, ultimately you kind of come back to the thing that was working. You're like, shit, if I would have just stayed with the thing working, even though it's not as exciting because it's, it's not as sexy because it's like a little more boring. Cause it's like, Oh, I'm doing the same thing over and over. But that is the most sexy business is the one that's working. And if we would have done the same thing over the same periods of time, instead of getting distracted with new things, you know, Absuma today is almost hundred million dollars a year in revenue. Now my goal is not about the revenue. I'm not motivated by that. But it could be a business that promotes more software products uh, and mm -hmm. could be the number one place to promote any software product for solopreneurs. Uh, instead, you know, we have more years to go to do that because we got distracted with a lot of other things. So, again, not to, I'm not giving you advice. Yeah. I think you should do your way and then see how that goes. And maybe it works and maybe it won't. Yeah, I do think that the Inbox Ghosts is going to help us get in the door with a lot of businesses that could be upsold into the other service. So like during the whole Google analytics Four thing, that's where most of our recent clients have come from is that we did a ton of GA four migrations in July as just a way to like get our foot in the door, doing a small data project. And then like that escalating to something bigger. Great. I don't know. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm trying to think if I have one final question for you before we wrap Oof. up, I'm looking at my list here. And Look, ask, think what seeing, the rabbi would ask. <laughs> what the rabbi are you, are you conservative ask? or orthodox? I was brought up totally reform. I just find that I have a lot more in common with Chabad people. Dude, these Chabad people are cool, man. I got this guy, uh, is it Dr. Rabbi Levy? He's always trying to do the uh, to fill in on it to fill in on me. And I'm always like, all right, dude, it's where they wrap you in leather. My girlfriend, mm -hmm. so he comes over and they love, you know, I asked him, I was like, what are you like doing? He's like, I just believe in Judaism and I want to, I want to spread that message. And I think that that's kind of what business and million dollar weekend even is about. It's like, find something you're excited to do that you want to spread the word on that people also want. But I'll say the weird part of it, my girlfriend walks in the room and he's doing to fill in on me, wrapping me in leather. And she's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and I'm like, baby, it's a Jewish thing. I swear to God. I swear to She's like, don't swear to God. And, uh, but yeah, it was still cool to, to have people that care about different things, whether, you know, whatever religion you are. I was at the gun range shooting with my rabbi a few weeks ago and naturally, and we did to fill in like at the range before, like in the middle of the, like, you know, like the, I don't know what you call it, like the room between the rooms where like the sound yeah. gap or whatever. So you don't like right outside the sound gap room, like before we go into shoot, we're like holding the targets in my other hand. And he's like, let's do it to fill in really quick. And so we're just like in the gun range, like geared up. I'm like, okay, I mean, sure. I can say no. 
Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think business is a little bit about that. Like, what is something a little bit uncomfortable that can lead me to a better place? And I'm not saying everyone should do it to fill in whatsoever. I don't even really like it. I think it's nice. <laughs> but I think the point that I, for yourself was, I'm in a public place with a lot of people with guns, and I'm going to try something out to recognize, you know, God and this religion. And, and a lot of, honestly, in business is like, okay, putting myself out there in social media, maybe, or asking someone to be my customer, or asking someone for feedback, and I could be a freelancer, maybe do GA4 migration. And you know, a little bit of that discomfort is literally what I, I've found to be one of the key things holding a lot of people back from success in, in business and in life. And it's like, okay, what's a little discomfort I can face in a maybe fun way, or maybe it's, it's a little scary. And then once I overcome it, I'm like, oh, that wasn't so bad. What's next? I think like tabling in person, it sucks and is hard. And like, that's a great, like doing something tabling? so hard, you know, like tabling, it's like being like at like, a farmer's market and you like are standing behind your product and you're like trying to convince the bystanders to like buy the thing. It's like with my same co-founder during college, we tried a sports drink startup. So we had like canned sports drinks. So we like post up in the gym. We're trying to get people to like try the sports drink. Like that's like the worst. Like that's like hard mode. And like all this stuff on online is like send a DM, put out a YouTube video, like face the digital feedback. Like that's like easy mode. That's what I'm saying. Like doing something like so hard, like knocking on doors, like doing that, I haven't knocked door to door. Like that's even harder. But I feel like once you do something that sucks that much, all this like, oh no, what if someone online is mean? Is <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot I, less... I had a day job, so I feel you. I worked at Intel. That was horrible, and that made me realize I never want to have a job again. But I would even say that I liked it. I did cabling at college. I loved it because it's more mm-hmm. find something you're excited to table for. You know, for me, I I ran for government, and I was like tabling, and I like gave out bagels. I got free bagels from Noah's Bagels, and and. I imagine running for government at Berkeley is especially interesting. Yeah, oh, Berkeley is a shit show. I mean, that, all, the, yeah. all the Bay Area is, is I don't know, it's a, it's a weird-ass place. It's like the opposite of free speech. And uh, But find things you're excited to go table for. And, you know, I will say, it's I agree with you. Go do shit you hate to find out, like, man, I definitely, you know, my dad did, sold copiers, and I would follow him around as a little kid. And I remember how heavy it was and how much he was sweating and how he had all this toner on him at the end of the day. And how he smelled so bad. And I was like, I like the entrepreneurship, making a lot of money and going to Costco and getting burritos after a long day of work. But the the heavy lifting stuff, I was like, mm, maybe not that. But at least being around it and trying it and seeing it, I was able to make that clear for me. I like it. The quick question I had was the content that you do, I think a lot of it is both, I don't want to say it's to get views. Like you're very personally curious about it and like genuinely very intrinsically motivated but a lot of it also is like strategic. Like it's just content that will also perform well. Like you have an eye to, is this actually going to like be, have a return on invested time for the effort to produce it. Mm. What's something from a recent interview or recent, like kind of adventurous piece of content you've done. That's been like a big learning lesson for you. That's changed something you're doing. Right? Cause I think for a lot of people, they see you as like, why is this going out and interviewing people? He's already successful. He's already rich. He already no, has 2 million. Bitcoin. I don't understand. What's he doing? I'm like, already rich. <laughs> like, and I don't mean that arrogantly, but I don't need to do it. Exactly. But I love, I like doing it. And that's the lesson for others. Like I, I legitimately enjoy it. And a lot of the things in life, and, and I would say million dollar weekend, it's like, what's the hard thing we're afraid of? And generally it's not as scary as we seem, as it seems when we go face it. And for me, knocking on a person's door, I just did it a few days ago, try to sell lawn care. It's still uncomfortable. It doesn't get easier. You just get a little better at it. And that's why part of the book is teaching and practicing asking through fun, fun ways and fun challenges. I would say one of the more surprising things, and, and, and it's going to be counterintuitive. One, I like making content. I, I truly, I've done it for a long time and I just enjoy it. Uh, but 
one of the more interesting things recently was I posted a video that got 9,000 views, right? And that's, that's still a lot, but I had a million subscribers. That's pretty much, you know, 0.9%, which means that no one gives a shit. And the big reality there, and, you know, part of the success of AppSumo and, and the businesses, you know, when you build your business on someone else's sandbox, they make the rules. And so how do we control our destinies better, right? So I, I like entrepreneurship because whether you like your day job or you hate it, if, you're, if you run your own business, at least you have that opportunity to choose how your days are going to be. And the same thing goes with YouTube is that they control who sees my video, not me. And so having an email list is the best way to run any business, frankly. And I use sendfox.com where there's ConvertKit and MailChimp. And it was a good reminder that it's not, I'm not as much in control of the audience and customers, which social is great to get exposure, but you need to have a way of having a little bit more insurance that you can talk to your audience when you feel like it. And that was a, a huge reminder for me. I think it was last week. I like it. Where can people pre-order the book or buy the book? Because they should million definitely dollar. read it. Yeah, the uh, milliondollarweekend.com. Easy enough. And I'll put all the links below. No, it's been a pleasure. I like how this turned out. Very just, just chatted. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me.